If you're tired of dieting and stepping on the scale, you're lacking energy and confidence, and you're ready to harness your inner athlete, then you're in the right place. I'm Sherry Shaban, and in each episode, I'll help you to rebuild your fitness identity and empower your deepest transformation so that health and fitness are not just what you do, but who you are. All right. Welcome to another episode of the Spone Train podcast. I am here with Sherry Shaban. We are actually recording this one live in her Facebook group. I'll tell you more about that in just a moment. But today we are getting into gut health and how it affects our entire body, our immune system. And guess what? Even our mindset. So my guest today is a good friend of mine who I've seen uh, help many people transform. She has a ton of knowledge uh, around how our body functions and operates and how to get them the best out of our system so we can perform optimally. Welcome my guest, Sherry Shaban. How are you today, Sherry? I'm well, Nick. Thanks so much for inviting me on today. My pleasure. So the reason I'm having you on is I generally have my guests on for selfish motivations because there's something that I want to learn from them. And, um, and I got to be honest, last year, I, a lot of really great things happened to me. And my health was probably not one of my focal points and it, and it suffered a bit. And so when I saw you were doing this gut health challenge, I knew I needed to be involved in this. This was something that I had to do because when my diet's good, I feel so much better. So that's why I brought you on here selfishly is um, to learn about this gut health reset. So give us a, just a quick summary of what we're doing. So through 21 days, we are going to remove inflammatory foods. So things like processed foods, sugars, alcohol, things that create inflammation in the body, and then work our way up to a three-day fast. So this fast has a few variations depending on the person. It's either a full water fast or a juice fast. And ideally, ideally we're going to run for the run the fast for three days. However, everyone's at their own pace. So if it's one day or two days, there's still so much benefit that we can get from just learning to have that, have the body be in a fasted state, in a hungry state, which oftentimes we don't allow ourselves to do. Now, there's a lot of benefits to fasting, including healing in the, of the body and switching more to a parasympathetic uh, nervous system. But essentially what we want to do is reduce inflammation in the body and bring our our gut into a place where it's healing. And then once we start to reintroduce foods, we'll start to pick up the signs of inflammation and then pick up the different things that create inflammation in the body and then learn how to slowly integrate them. Awesome. So we'll get into a little more details as we get through this interview. Um, but like I said, I know like my digestion has just been really sensitive this year. And I know when I'm eating healthy foods, I feel so much better mental clarity, energy, I wake up better. Uh, so I want to get I want to pick your brain on this a bit. So let's start with your journey. What do you do specifically? And how did you get into it? So that's a loaded question, we could spend the whole hour talking about it. But I'm a health and life coach based out of Montreal, Quebec. And my journey actually started in biochemistry. And that was actually what I was learning when I decided to switch into this field. But the reason why I did is because when I was 16, I was hit by a car, I had a really bad car accident, and I damaged my spine. And at that time, I was super athletic, I was in competitive swimming, I was doing track and field, and I was asked to stop playing sports. 
So for many years, I followed this advice. I had back surgery for the first time when I was 17 years old to relieve pain in my leg. I couldn't walk. I couldn't even shower alone unassisted. And so I had that first surgery to help me get my functionality back. And after that surgery, I was on pain medication. I couldn't get through a day without using medication to manage my pain. And in my early 20s, I decided that I needed to do a massive change. I woke up one day, just looked at myself in the mirror, and I wasn't the person I always thought I would be. In my mind, I always thought I was going to be an athletic person, person who's super into fitness, which is one of my passions. But all of a sudden, I found myself hanging out with a different crowd, picking up habits that maybe my parents wouldn't have approved of so much. And I decided to get back into the gym and just build my build myself back up against medical advice. So I started copying people at the gym. I had no idea what I was doing. I started picking up weights. I started doing lunges and movements that I saw around me. And after a few months, my back pain was gone and I was able to get off of my medication. And then I bought myself a treadmill and started running five minutes at a time until I made my way up to an hour. And so at that time, that's when I was studying my biochemistry degree and I decided to switch careers and get into exercise science. I specialize in athletic therapy. I wanted to learn everything there was about the human body, about managing pain, about overcoming injury and about nutrition and mindset and training and conditioning. And so it's been a lifelong journey. I'm not going to reveal my age, but it's been a while I've been been in this field really continuing to learn and continuing to grow and over the years i've realized that it's not as simple as diet and exercise for transformation transformation is way deeper than that it's mindset it's identity it's our perspective of ourselves and so i help athletes become the person they are always meant to be by shifting their mindset shifting and changing their self-image and then overcoming their obstacles. And I believe everybody has an obstacle, whether it's an injury such as mine, or whether it's a struggle with weight loss, or even just a struggle getting through a condition or learning to manage your training because of a particular condition. And I love sharing stories of people that have overcome something they weren't supposed to overcome, right? Because it's such an inspiration to people who are going through something. Like we're all we're all going through our own aches and pains or or mindset struggles or relationship struggles, whatever that might be, we all have it. And so to hear from someone who has overcome that in a big way, uh, something they weren't supposed to overcome, it just, it should give you energy just to hear that. Isn't it? And it lights me up here in your story. So thanks for sharing that. And, and, you know, you reminded me one of our mentors, Rock Thomas always says, there's, there's always a way when you're committed and curious, right? And I think that applies to you as, as being committed and curious to overcoming your challenges um, and then helping people moving forward. So, I mean, that's, that's an amazing feat. So first of all, congratulations for that. And, and you're an example of someone who, who lives the life um, and is congruent with what you teach. And, and so let's get into, into that a bit. So every, every food we eat supposedly is, is bad for us, right? It depends what books we read and, and where we go. We got to be on an all meat diet and all vegan diet, uh, plant paradox diet, eat only plants diet. Like there's, there's so many different ways to approach diet, specifically diet. What are some of the foundational principles that you apply when helping people transform that area of their life? Right. So 
several things and I love that you bring that up because you're right there is not a one diet that fits all and I think our society is on this mission where we are looking for that magic diet and we hear it with all of these very popular diets where we're hearing things like you should eat this we are we should be eating this we're not meant to eat that mm -hmm. and so what's really important is number one sustainability that's key and number two just really listening to your body so coming back to number one sustainability many of us go on these extreme diets hoping to release weight generally that's one of the reasons why we start a diet and we end up taking taking up these habits that are quite restrictive and not sustainable long term we start eating things and foods that we don't enjoy we start really changing our lifestyle in a way that we can't sustain and so when we come off of this diet well we stop working and then we reverse all of the progress or the results that we've seen and now the second part is really about listening to your body and that sort of comes back to that there is no one diet that fits all we have to learn to pick up the signs of inflammation we have to learn to pick up the signs of whether or not our body is functioning functionally functioning optimally <laughs> let's try that again functioning optimally try that again nick you try saying that Optimally, there we go. Functioning first, first time. <laughs> right. And so so signs of that could be seen in our sleep if we are not getting restful sleep. And I always talk about poop, just monitoring our poop and seeing if we are eliminating solid poop or if we're constantly constipated or have diarrhea. These are signs that our body is perhaps not responding to what we are eating in the best way now inflammation can also be seen through lowered energy low libido constant pains and aches in the body migraines headaches and then also estrogen dominance yeah so i'm going to piggyback on what you started with and and you talked about eating sustainably and and, and these magic diets right and as i hear of a new diet or i read a book on it i'm always thinking well, is that consistent with how we evolved? Because if we looked back through our evolution, we see that there were groups of people who ate large amounts of red meat. There were groups of people who ate almost no red meat and lots of vegetables and roots and fruits. And there are people who ate lots and lots of, you know, deep sea fish, fatty fish. Um, there are people that ate some dried, you know, people, there's, there's diets that say you can't eat fruit. Well, there's lots of people that ate fruit, not just seasonally, they dried them and ate them all year. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think it's what's best for your body and how you've, how your ancestors programmed you and, and, and yes, seasonally. So keeping that in mind, I think I, the idea is to get as close to the source as possible as well. Um, but yeah, I guess, what are your thoughts on, you know, they, people refer to the caveman diet and, and all these other diets that are take us back in time to, to that point. What are you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I love that you bring that up. So I, I tend not to look at what's different about all of these diets, but instead what's the same. Yes. And what, what is the same is that all of these diets or these ways of eating, let's say that we have seen throughout evolution, everyone ate from the land. And that should be sort of the first place that we go to is how can I get as close as possible to eating naturally? And so when we're looking at a lot of the foods that are offered to us at the grocery store, a lot of which are health foods, well, a lot of them are processed. A lot of these foods are man-made foods. 
And now with plant-based or vegan movement becoming very powerful in the last 10, 15 years, it's also introduced into our grocery stores a lot of processed foods, a lot of vegan meats. And that's almost a paradox saying those two words together, vegan meats. But but essentially, let's look at what's the same and what is what is in common with all of these different diets. And that is that man ate from land. And some some of us evolved from very harsh environments where there was no fruit and vegetable available all year long. And we had to rely on eating animals to get through the year while others evolved eating plants because there there was no other option so if we do sort of trace our ancestral links and and understand where we come from we can get an idea as to what we are able to handle a lot easier there's a lot of tests actually that we can do right now um, a lot of tests online we can send our blood tests and have an idea as to what our our, our lineage is mm-hmm. but again if we come back to that listening to our body monitoring those very very basic functions like sleep like energy levels like elimination right we're able to pick up a lot of information just from that you know and another thing our ancestors did which we'll touch on a bit later is they didn't eat for extended periods, right? Yes. And so, so we'll talk about that as it relates to gut health and just health in general. But I guess one analogy that I like to use is if you think about cocaine, cocaine is, is a leaf from a plant. And when you chew on the leaf, you may get a little boost of energy, but if you refine it down to a granular level and you take a bunch of these plants and make it into a powder, well, now you have a very intense drug, right? And this is essentially what we do with sugar. We take an apple and we turn it into juice. We just take the liquid and the sugar out of it. And then we we're like injecting cocaine into our body essentially, which is more than we've evolved to be able to process, right? Like we can eat an apple, there's fibers in it. There's other things in the right balance. But when we take that, that sugar out of it, you know, we can apply this to, to any, you know, fruit juices, fats, cane sugar, anything that we process. And so when we go back to just chewing on a Coke, a coca leaf like it's not a big deal when we're snorting cocaine like this is what we're doing with our foods right yeah a hundred percent and i love that you bring that up and again it's it's again asking ourselves well how natural is this and is this man-made or is this really directly from nature and you brought up um you brought up sugar as as one of them but if you think about how we've extracted sugars now from a lot of different fruits from corn for example completely modified it and now this is the basis of most of our foods well we need to start asking some questions and we need to start reading some labels or, or buy foods without labels because they're just like one ingredient, right? Beef, apple, you know? Um, 100%. So we talked a bit about inflammation, but let's get into that a little more. So, I mean, most experts now pretty much agree that all disease starts from inflammation, right? If we have yeah. inflammation, that's what leads to disease in the system, uh, whether that's the symptom or the root, you know, but, but it all comes down to inflammation. So when we eat in a certain way over a certain period of time, our gut starts to change that can allow us to experience more inflammation. So Sherry, what's at the root of that? Of inflammation? Well, yeah, that that generally related to gut health. So it it could be different things. We talk about diet and, and diet is not just what we are eating and putting through our bodies, through our mouth, but also what we are listening to, what we are watching. And essentially, if we're watching or listening to things that are creating a lot of stress for us, well, that also can lead to inflammation. 
So essentially what it is, is it's bringing our, our nervous system into a sympathetic nervous system at all times and just really focusing on the extremities being the priority. So when we are in a sympathetic nervous system, we are in a state of fight or flight. Our body prepares us to either run or to fight. So it brings all of the blood flow to the muscles. It increases adrenaline so that we can charge, we can run faster, we can jump faster, we can do all of these things without really thinking about it. And our heart beats faster, our breathing changes, it's a lot more rapid, our entire body responds to that. So while that's happening, then we have all of the unnecessary functions shutting down. And so digestion is not so important right now. Elimination is not so important right now. The, the main focus is on the extremities. So when we're in this constant place of fight or flight and we have high levels of adrenaline, we have, we have high levels of cortisol as well in the body, this already creates a state of inflammation. And again, if I'm not focusing on my gut right now or my viscera, I'm also not working on healing those areas. And then, of course, bring in the inflammatory foods. So things like gluten, things like alcohol, and things like processed foods that are known to disrupt the gut. Now, the gut is made out of a single layer of cells, and we, we want to just try to imagine this and visualize this as we're, we're going through this discussion, that this one single layer of cell is very, very delicate. It's there to be able to allow small molecules to pass through. But if you imagine if something abrasive happens and there is a micro tear in the gut, well, other substances and particles can leak into the abdominal cavity. And on the other side of that gut where the abdominal cavity is, is the immune system. So when there is a dysbiosis or a disruption in this lining, then we're constantly triggering the immune system. And when we're constantly triggering the immune system, there, are, there is release of a lot of inflammatory chemicals. So imagine spraining your ankle. What's the first thing that happens, right? It's the immune response. We have swelling, we have redness, we have heat, and we have inflammation. So the body is trying to heal itself. But when we're in this chronic state of inflammation that's lasting months and months, if not years, and like you mentioned, many of these diseases, such as Alzheimer's or cancer or, um, you know, any of the common diseases that we, we hear or we're, we're dealing with, actually, the root cause is inflammation. So when we have the, this chronic state of inflammation going on for a very, very long time, well, we don't have healing happening. And we have this, this constant state of these chemicals going through the body. And that's where then we can start to see dis-ease. Start to break down. Yeah. So uh, I want everybody to notice the first thing when I talked about digestion and gut health, the first thing you brought up was mindset, right? And, uh, you know, this is basically what I've been telling everybody for, for years is that our mindset affects every part of our body and our physiology. And, and as you were explaining that, I remembered, you know, I was, when I was competing as a wrestler, as a fighter, right before I went out to compete, my body would want to eliminate, right? And so, because I was in a certain level of stress. And so that was useful stress, right? At the time, like I would get into a heightened state, I'd go out and compete in a combat sport and I'd want, want to eliminate before that. But most people are living in that subtle level of stress all the time. And so their digestion is getting signals that, that aren't complicit with, with good health, right. And, and regularity. And so a lot of times our digestion, just from that mindset, just from those stressors, um, is affected. And then 
And then, yeah, I think as we have these habits, so coupled with the stress in, in, mo- in our modern day, we have these habits of social norms of our ways of eating that, that don't serve us. And we're eating those regularly. We are supposed to eat, you know, three meals a day, but most health nutritionists used to tell us six meals a day. Right. So we never get a break from that. So we're, we're never eliminating these toxins that are in there. We're just pushing them off to the side to try to get them out of the way so we can digest the next, the next thing. And it's no wonder our bodies start to break down and, and we start to get this inflammation and we're in, you know, lowered state and it affects our mood. It affects our, our mindset. And we have long-term chronic dis-ease like you talked about, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I, I like that you, you mentioned that. So inflammation is, is one thing, right? And understanding that the body is in this constant acidity, constant state of inflammation, but then also realizing that our gut is our second brain. And so, like you said, it impacts our mood, it impacts our overall well-being, it impacts our energy levels, and it impacts our thoughts too. So even just that seed of thought, when we are in that state of inflammation, it matches that state. It's the, the two work together. The gut sends messages to the brain and the brain sends messages to the gut. That's why when you're in that stressed situation, like you're about to go in for a wrestling match, you're you start to already get into that fight or flight. And yes, your digestion now is not a priority. You have that feeling of elimination. Well, the same thing is happening in in the reverse direction. When there is inflammation going on in the gut, it does start to send messages to the brain as a response of what's going on in the gut. Because again, right outside of that gut, that thin, thin lining is our immune system. And so there's this constant communication between the gut, the immune system and the brain, because it's a constant feedback as to what's going on in the body. What is the current state of the body? And it happens instantaneously before we can even consciously be aware of it or you know if you want to call it the subconscious or the body communicates these things and and like you said the vagus nerve runs up and down from the gut right it runs both directions because information is going both ways and so you know we can affect our our vagal response with our breath with the foods that we eat with our level of stress and so it's it's such it's so fascinating and, and we can go way deeper beyond my pay grade for the the exact chemistry of how the and anatomy of how this happens. But for most people, just to get a general idea of your gut is and your immune system are always communicating. And when we're in fight or flight, we're not in rest and digest, right? Mm-hmm. So how can we, what are some of the principles we can start to apply to our life to really get this under control? Because I'm guessing if if listeners are like me, they have some stress that they may meditate on, they may do their best to, to manage, they, they work out. Um, they try to eat healthy, but often with social norms and family, you know, they eat in a certain way. Uh, what are some things we can start to do right now to take control of our gut health? Well, number one, take control by owning it, right? So oftentimes we're sitting on sort of the, the other side of that action and, and becoming the victim of our, of our situation. And so what I mean by that is, when we are in this place of owning it, we can start to make changes. If, for example, I'm in a stressful situation at work, I need to first own it so that I can start to make a change. I don't want it to be other people's fault that I feel this way. I don't want it to be my environment's fault that I'm going through some of these feelings and emotions and states. But instead, I get to decide that it is my reaction that I have complete control over. And the reason why I bring this up is because, again, we're talking about stress. 
and I will constantly be in a state of stress if it's never my fault, if I'm constantly a victim of my circumstance. If I want to really start to manage my stress, well, I have to be in that driver's seat. I have to decide that I need to change my environment. So that said, let's talk about environment. Let me let me interrupt you there because yeah. this, this is no small thing. This is the most important meaning that we can have in our lives. And it's from I've learned this from the ancient teachers through antiquity to like modern doctors on nutrition, right? Like the mindset of being a victim will put your whole body into fight or flight. I think it's the root of depression because the nervous system says, well, there's nothing I can do here because I'm a victim. Why do anything? And then we lose our energy. So this is the most important thing we can apply to our lives is decide I'm in control. I'm not a victim. And we do that with our health as well as everything else in our life. Um, sorry, I had to interrupt because I get fired up about that. Anyway, proceed, Sherry. No, it's so important. It's 100% very important because we can't create change until we realize that that change can happen with us, with our choice. And so I hear this often too with, with athletes. Oh, I couldn't go to the gym today because my daughter had this, or I couldn't do that today because I didn't have my shoes, or I couldn't do this because I didn't have time. If it's never my fault, if there's always these external circumstances happening and it's, it's always going to affect me and I can't control that, well, then I can never make a change. So it's actually quite empowering to take that ownership and realize, you know what? I have to start to make some changes. Even now- especially if something isn't the way you want it to be, right? Like that's the most important time to do it. I could blame everything, you know, everyone else, the economy, the president, whatever, lockdowns. Like there's, there's a million things I, I can blame, but until I, I take that responsibility, I, even if let's say I've, I've screwed something up, my business crashed. Well, if I, if I want to blame someone else, I'm still powerless. But if I'm like, okay, that was totally me. Other people running this business have succeeded. What what do I need to learn? What can I take control of? And it's it's sobering sometimes and it's difficult and it's humbling, but but it's the most important step is to say, all right, this thing in my life that screwed up, no one to blame but me. Now let's turn it around, right? And so that's what we're gonna do here. Right. And and again, I think very, very fitting in, in today's times where there is a lot of stuff going on around us outside of our control. And we can continue to be victims going forward to these this pandemic and all the things going around us, or decide, well, I'm gonna start to own it and then do the things that I can control right here, right now. This is what I have at hand. So once we take that first step of owning it and saying, you know what, change is in my hands. I can make a change at any time. I now have to audit my environment. And now we talked about some of the things that create stress. So we talked about the things that we watch. We talked about the people that we spend time with, the things that we hear and then the things that we ingest. So auditing environment, I always talk about auditing our social environment and then auditing our emotional environment and then auditing our physical environment. So our social environment, that's who we spend the most time with, right? We are the product of the five people that we spend the most time with. If I'm constantly spending time with people who are talking me out of things or constantly telling me how I should not bother because things won't work out or don't worry, you know, you're going to see that no matter how much effort you put into something, it's not going to work out. Or you'll see once you're 40 years old, your body's going to change and, you, you know, and, and all of these limiting beliefs that we get from our environment. If I'm in this constant state at all times, well, there's no way I can break out of that. That's going to be my normal. So the first question is, is does my social environment serve me? 
Am I feeling empowered in my social environment or am I constantly feeling stressed or am I constantly feeling defeated or I don't have choices outside of what I hear? And then similarly for our emotional environment, well, what is creating emotion in, in me? And I'm talking about negative emotion specifically. Are there things that I'm watching that is creating negative emotion? Am I, am I constantly watching the news? Am I constantly on the government's website? Am I constantly around, right? Around information? It's true. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Diet. You know, it's part yeah. of your diet. Absolutely. Yeah. And is, am I constantly surrounded by things or listening to things that are that's putting me in this state? Well, I need to make a change right now. I need to own it and I need to make a change. How does it serve me to continue watching the news? How does it serve me to continue to listen to this stuff except for putting me in this negative low energy state? The news is, is only two things. It's division and it's victim mentality. That's If you watch it, that's all they're trying to do is divide people and make you feel like a victim. That's it. Once you see that, it's so clear that it's such garbage. I mean, it's the worst thing you can consume. Separation and victim mentality. Those are the two things the news does to you. Right. Yeah. It makes you feel like you're in this constant state of hopelessness, mm -hmm. right? There's nothing I can do to change my life. Look what's going on. There's nothing I can do to change it and improve it. A hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, we learn things, uh, whatever happens in our environment, we start to link that together, right? So we go to the, we hang out with certain people, we have a beer, we hang out with them again, we have a beer. Well, we start to link up when I'm with this friend, like I get this urge to just have a beer. That's the pattern that's developed in the brain. And so they'll take addicts out of their environment, put them somewhere else, go to rehab in Malibu, come back home, put them with that same friend. And the brain goes, oh, I'm with this friend. I should have a beer. Right. And so we have to interrupt that pattern. We have to be very intentional about our environment um, because, you know, food's one of the things we, we you can't just give it up. Right. Alcohol, you can get away from it. You can stop going to the bars, but food, you still got to eat it. Right. And so we want to set up patterns with food that that serve us. And our environment is the way is one of the ways to do that. Right. Yes, 100 percent. I love everything that you just said. And yes, and it's association also. And you and you notice that if there are habits you're trying to uh, to quit, such as, let's say, smoking cigarettes, you notice that there's associations of right after I have coffee, I have a cigarette or I have my cigarette with coffee or right after a meal, I smoke my cigarette or when I'm hanging out with these people, I smoke cigarettes. Right. So it's also by association that we have to start to tune into. And now we also spoke about physical environment, Nick. So physical environment being also one of the things that we have to audit. Now that is what's in our pantry. That's the food that we are constantly surrounding ourselves with. What do I buy at the grocery store? And I hear this also from a lot of parents, parents that want to help shift their kids' nutrition. And I constantly remind them that, you know what? It's not the kids that are making the money to buy the car, to go to the grocery store, to do the shopping, to bring the food home, and they're not the ones doing the the cooking, right? So whatever is in our physical environment is going to be available to us. And I could definitely tell you that if I have things in my freezer or in my pantry, I'm a sweet tooth, and if I have these things in my pantry, well, they're gonna keep calling to me until I finally break down and have them. I, I don't rely on my willpower because even though you know I'm I think I, I'm, I'm the mindset guy or whatever. And I do a lot of self-hypnosis. I, you know, if there's cookies in the pantry, like I either got to throw them away or eat them, you know, and, and I got to do it now because they're, they're tempting. And that's how we've evolved is to consume large amounts of calories to, to protect us for the future where there was going to be a, a drought of some sort of, you know, but in our modern day and age, we don't have that caloric deficit um, to prepare for. So 
anyway, so our, our physical environment, absolutely. Yeah. And for a lot of us, we're, you know, I'm, I'm sure some people are listening and, and, and sort of wondering, well, how am I going to break, you know, break out of all of these habits? How am I going to give up alcohol or how am I going to give up processed foods or how am I going to give up all these things where I'm, I'm so used to them? And so I'll just come back to the importance of self image, right? Whatever image we have in our mind of who we are is what we will default to. These are the habits that we will default to. So if in my mind, I view myself as a person who loves fast food, who loves burgers, who loves poutine. I don't know if you know what poutine is, Nick. Of course, I've been oh, to Canada many times, yeah. <laughs> okay. It's, it's French fries with gravy and cheese on them and, and maybe an assortment of other toppings, but. Yeah, right. So if I've never had a poutine, by the way, ever in my life before. Come on. Really? Um, yeah, really, I just, it's never appealed to me, but give me chocolate cake and that's another story. Um, but, but if I'm this person who's constantly, you know, viewing myself as I, I love poutine, oh my God, poutine is like the best food in the world and I have like this love affair with poutine, it's gonna be very difficult to break out of that, right? But if instead I start to shift my self-image to that of an athlete and start to think about, well, who do I wanna become? What does this person do throughout their day? What are their habits that they do day to day? If I wanna become this person who is not suffering from disease or any of these conditions that we talked about, any of these inflammatory conditions, or a person who is very in tune with their health and fitness, well, what do they do all day? What's the first thing they do when they get up in the morning? How many hours of sleep do they get? How much water do they drink? How active are they? Who do they spend time with? What do they watch? What do they read? And I start to get into, sort of all of these little details of, of this person's identity and then start to view myself in this light, well, then my decisions will be very different. I will give a completely different set of meaning to all of these habits. Poutine is not going to be my number one food, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is obviously my favorite subject ever is changing our self-image because everything stems from that. And so we can imagine ourselves, the person that we want to be, the habits that we want to have. And as we start to step into that in our imagination, our brain starts to change its neural connections, right? Changing your identity just, I mean, it happens in the brain and it shows up in our habits. It shows up in our lifestyle. It shows up in our success and our performances. But when we imagine ourselves the way we want to be, that is the root for everything. And this is, you know, the root of, of hypnosis work as well is to put someone in their imagination into a new way of being until that starts to show up in their life. And so I, I love that. And we can journal on that. We can visualize it. We can do affirmations around it. All of these things create new neural networks to a new behavior. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and visualization is super powerful and we actually use it all the time, but we use it all the time in the negative. We are always visualizing ourselves as I hate this word, but that loser, that fat ass. I'm saying all these words because these are the words that are going through our minds and I'm just gonna go for it. So if we're constantly in this in this state where this is how we're viewing ourselves and we're calling ourselves all these things and we're we're thinking we're so out of shape and before I start a workout, I've already told myself I, ca I can't do the workout or it's going to be so hard, I can't do push-ups or I can't do squats and this is the narrative going in my mind and as I'm saying this, I'm visualizing this, then there's no way that I can shift into success. I've already programmed my mind in advance to fail. I've already told myself 
that this is my limit. I, I can't change. I'm, I'm not that person who can suddenly become an athlete. I, I'm not a runner. I can't switch my diet. I love all of this food that I have to give up and I can't do it, right? But then switching into that place where you start to visualize yourself. It's, it's hard at first. It takes some effort, but you start to visualize yourself being successful, doing those push-ups, running that 5K effortlessly. Then you can start to really create that in your mind because your mind does not know whether it's happened or not, right? Absolutely. Yep. And That's so the difference between real and imagined. Yeah, there is no difference. And, and how do we know that, that that proof exists? Well, think about a memory in the past that made you really sad. Like if I if I think about the time I lost my mom and I think about it, I'm reliving my body relives that moment because it's so in my mind. It's not something that's happening right now but it's programmed in my mind. It releases emotions, it releases hormones related to that state. And so when we are in the state of fear or doubt or anxiety around ourselves, well, we're releasing those emotions through hormones and reacting to them, whether we experience that or not. Our mind does not know the difference. Yeah, and that's why most people stay in a state of fight or flight, even though there's no immediate threat around them, right? Um, so Sherry, so for everyone that's listening, we're in the middle, we just started, uh, the 21 day gut health challenge and I'm, I'm live in her Facebook group right now, the transformation tribe, uh, as part of that. And so I want to talk a little bit about the specifics of this protocol. So if you're just listening to this, um, we'll give you a link. You can, you can join it at any time. That's no problem, but I'm starting to feel amazing already. So Sherry, why don't you get into what do we, what do we do over 21 days? What are, what's the specific dietary changes, exercise changes, uh, and, and what's the outcome on the other side of that 21 days? So the, the main purpose of these 21 days is to work up to a three-day fast. And so the purpose of this three-day fast is to allow full healing of the gut. It's also to allow ourselves to stop eating and slow down the body a little bit remove a lot of the work that the that the digestive system is doing the digestive system takes up a lot of energy and especially if it's trying to break down things that don't serve us and so once we go through our three-day fast we will then start to reintroduce the foods and then pick up the signs of inflammation so it will take people different amounts of time to get to that place where they've removed the inflammatory things. So we're removing animal products because we just want to alleviate the work of the digestive system. We're removing alcohol and avoiding NSAIDs, so non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, so that we don't continue to harm the gut lining. We like know Advil, ibuprofen, things like that, right? Exactly. Yeah. Aleve, things like that. And so there are so many studies that show that NSAIDs and alcohol damage the gut lining along with gluten. Whether you experience symptoms or not, this is damage that's happening. And for most of us, this damage happens on a daily basis and then we heal and then we eat something else that creates damage and then we heal and it's this constant, constant process. And so for some of us, it's an overnight change and an elimination of all of these inflammatory things just for those 21 days processed foods as well was something we mentioned at the beginning of our call and and then slowly working our way up to then the fast and then after the fast we're going to start to reintroduce foods now we've already spoken about how we're all very different and so maybe what could create inflammation for you nick would not create inflammation for me Correct. but i don't know what can create inflammation if i don't remove all of these foods first 
And so when we're in this constant state of inflammation, it's very difficult to start to pick up on the signs. It's like being used to listening to the radio at a very loud volume at all times. And then the moment you lower the volume, you have a hard time hearing. And then after a while you start to adapt. And then if you turn the volume back up, you can then start to pick up on that loudness. So same thing that we're doing, what we're gonna get that baseline of no symptoms. And then as we start to reintroduce foods, we start to pick up on those signs. Now, sensitivities are not just in terms of kinds of food, but also quantity. So you would maybe be able to have a small quantity of a certain food and only up to a certain point, it would start to then create a little bit of insensitivities, um, start to create some symptoms in the body. So the reset is to eliminate anything that, that give us that, that gut lining damage and inflammation. So our, we have a clean body. We know what it feels like to be healthy. Uh, we're in a fasted state. So we've, our bodies kind of self metabolize or, you know, gone into autophagy where we digest those, all of those cells that are broken down. We get them out of our system. We're feeling good. Then we start to implement like, all right, I'm going to see how I do on dairy and eat a piece of cheese. Oh, I was feeling really good. Now I'm having phlegm or inflammation. Maybe dairy's not a thing for me. Right. And that's kind of the, kind of the outcome, right? A hundred percent. Yes. Okay. So, so let me reiterate. So we're getting rid of animal products uh, for the 21 days, at least. So no animal products, nothing processed, no alcohol, um, no refined sugars. Right. Right. I, mean, I guess that goes in processed food. Anything. What else did I miss? Is that everything? And gluten and gluten. Right. So gluten is in wheat. Is it in anything else that we need to be aware of? So it's, it's primarily in wheat or any of the family of the wheat. Um, and I want to also just talk a little bit about the gluten trap and even what, as we're switching into more of a plant-based eating, just some traps that we can fall into. And that is we're removing all of these things because they create inflammation. And then we turn towards processed foods because it's sold to us as a health food. So we're removing dairy, but then buying vegan cheese, or we're removing gluten, but then buying a gluten-free cereal or some sort of product, even though it's also a processed food. If you're eating something that's gluten, vegan, non-GMO, organic, and it's highly processed, it doesn't mean it's good for you, right? Like it still doesn't mean it's good for you. Right. Right. Okay. So carry on. Sorry. Yeah. So that that's essentially it. And I love what you talked about um, autophagy happening during the fastest date. So let's talk a little bit about that. And the reason why we are fasting for 72 hours is because it takes 72 hours for the gut lining to completely replace itself. It's the one organ in the body that can regenerate itself that quickly. So over 72 hours, when we're not forcing it to digest and do a lot of work, it allows it to heal and to completely replace itself. And so with a nice, fresh gut lining, we then can start to introduce the foods and then just keep in mind what creates triggers and what doesn't. So for some of us, we are sensitive to lectins or we're sensitive to nightshades. For others, we are sensitive to um, dairy. And I think most people are actually. And for others, maybe more sensitive to red meat. So or eggs. So picking up these signs then becomes a lot easier to do because we're in that state. What we don't want to do after we finish our fast is then to feast 
and you know sort of bypass that reintegration of food but instead we want to slowly introduce soft meals soups things like that that doesn't create inflammation and then start with one thing at a time so we start with one food group at a time and then slowly start to introduce it and then again pick up the signs not only if it's the kind of food but also the quantity and you know i guess at the beginning of the gut health reset let's say our, our gut lining is damaged we may eat something because we're in a hypersensitive state, right? We may have be not have a tolerance to food um, and it may seem like we're allergic or we get a bad reaction. We can heal our gut lining, start to try that food again, and we may have a different response to it, right? 100%. So my journey last year, Nick, so when my mom was, was ill, this was actually in 2019, when my mom was ill, um, a few months before she passed, she rejected meat. So she, she just couldn't digest meat anymore. So my entire family, my dad, my brother, they were trying to encourage her to keep eating. And I didn't do that. I, I decided to just respect her where she's at and then do it, do it with her. I said, okay, you know what, mom, I will, I will eat vegan with you. We'll, we'll eat vegetarian together. So that's sort of where that journey started. So I started first just trying to support my mom and then i was feeling really really great i had taken out meat which takes a lot of energy to digest so i had a lot of of energy in my body and then very slowly i started to remove eggs i i removed um feta i i usually used to eat sheep feta or goat cheese i didn't really have any cow products and so i started removing that and it was it went really well for a while until it suddenly didn't so what had happened is I started introducing grains and legumes, which I had not eaten in over 10 years. So my background was in CrossFit and in CrossFit, we talk about paleo and removing all these grains and legumes. So I had done that for many, many years. And so as I was transitioning into this 100% plant-based diet supporting my mom, I started also reintroducing a lot of these foods that I wasn't eating before because I was needing to supplement for proteins and just to complete my meal. And so my body couldn't digest it. I was, I was eating so much of it. I was having it for breakfast and for lunch and for dinner, beans and lentils and grains, and, and I was not able to digest it. Up until the point where I, if I would wake up in the morning, my stomach is flat. And then the moment I would have one thing, the moment I would put one bite in my mouth, right away I would start to bloat. And then what you said, everything then started to create a reaction. Everything I ate was creating a reaction because my body was in this constant state of inflammation, this constant state of fighting everything. And so that's where I realized, okay, I have to make a change. I can't live like this. It was really impacting my life. I couldn't sit down for a movie with my kids. I couldn't sleep through a full night. I was in so much pain, constant pain. And this is how that protocol started. I started for those 21 days to remove all of the inflammatory things. I wasn't eating processed foods, but I did remove anything that was was really taking a lot of effort to digest. So keeping it very, very simple for those 21 days and then get into that three day fast and then slowly start to reintroduce foods. And through that process, I was also taking some supplements to support that healing and to support that sort of balance in the gut. And then after I came off of that fast, I slowly started to reintroduce foods. And today I can eat beans and legumes and grains, um, not in crazy quantities because right. I don't need those crazy quantities, but I can definitely digest them and handle them in a way different way than before.
So we'll talk about supplements in just a minute and, and we'll start wrapping up here pretty soon, but I, I just want to keep going. There's so many, so many good things here. So uh, one of the things that, that I teach is one of our most important uh, abilities to survive in this world is being able to adapt, right? Mm -hmm. Adaptability. And so as we start to change our diet, our gut microbiome starts to adapt to it. Now, this doesn't happen overnight, right? So people, they try to cut something out right away or they, they switch their diet right away and they expect that everything's going to go smoothly. Well, you don't have the digest because you haven't been feeding that specific microbiome, right? You hadn't been feeding the microbiome that, that digests grains, right? Or legumes. And so without those, your body like has trouble breaking them down unbroken down food then goes into your digest, you know, your, your colon and your intestines. And it starts to cause damage because there's big clumps of food because you didn't have the right microbiome. And so we adapt to what we eat, our body adapts. And so this 21 day process is to kind of reset you and then to, to, re and then remember to slowly adapt back into these foods, right? That's kind of part of the process is we got to strengthen certain micro are certain parts of our microbiome to digest the foods that we want to be able to eat. Yes. And then on that note, we just want to keep in mind though, that our goal is also not to reintroduce some of these foods that don't serve us. So I think we can all agree when we talked about the different diets, what do they all have in common? That real food was that one thing that they have in common. So after these 21 days, if I now reintroduce processed foods again, well, I've, I've started all over. Right. So it's not that we're going to reintroduce everything and reintroduce that poutine. I don't know. I'm really anti-poutine today. I'm really sorry. <laughs> but but just to keep in mind that if I do, there is a consequence to that. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So some foods you just you just shouldn't eat in general. Right. But um, also or, or eat less of. Right. Or eat less of. And, and, you know, you talked about the gut microbiome and you talked about the importance of certain strains to help us digest foods. Well, let's rewind a moment and then just just to reiterate here the importance of the gut microbiome we mentioned in the beginning but we also we also want to sort of um talk about how we can't actually digest our foods us humans we don't have the digestive system that actually breaks down our foods we rely on these bacteria to break down our food we rely on them to synthesize vitamins we rely on them to activate certain hormones and to regulate our estrogen metabolism so we rely on them and now when we're eating certain foods, if that gut microbiome is not balanced to help us digest that food, that's where we start to see problems. Now there's, there's bacteria that help us break down the food that serves us, but then there's also bacteria that thrive on the foods that don't serve us. So there are bacteria that love the processed foods, that love all of these foods that we're removing. So the more of that food we eat, then the more of those bacteria we grow and they also create damage. So that type of bacteria creates also damage on the gut lining. It starts to also release metabolic compounds that are toxic to us. And again, create that inflammatory response. So one of the things that you said earlier was to listen to our body and what our body wants. And I totally agree with that with the caveat that if you've been feeding those microbiome that, that don't serve you, that are, you know, sugar craving that have been, digesting processed food and you cut that processed food out well those bacteria in your stomach are are going to start starving and they're going to communicate with your brain right because we're always sending signals they're going to communicate with you giving you urges to eat those things and so you got to kind of be aware that it's not always your body sometimes it's those microbiome that are damaging you and that give you those impulses 
Did I explain that well? Yeah, so good. Very powerful. Awesome. So one of the last things I want to touch on is um, meat quality. So I know a lot of people who are, they're vegan for, for spiritual reasons, for health reasons, whatever. And, and as I look back on, on human nature and, and how we're evolved to fit in on this planet, to me, it makes sense to consume meat. I, I just think the best way to manage an environment is using these uh, grazing animals to come through, to eat the grass, to, to poop on it, to fertilize things, and, and then to harvest from that, right? The right, it's, it's all about balance for me. And so I think having the right quality of meat, which to me comes from, I don't want to say free range because that word is so tainted, but um, grass eating, pasture raised, naturally raised, and, and not the term naturally raised, but actually naturally raised meat. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so Sherry, one of the things that I noticed at my grocery store is when I go to get eggs, there's a certain brand of eggs that has a picture of a pasture on the carton. And then it says pasteurized. And so mm-hmm. <laughs> this is deception, right? Because there's, there's nothing to do with these, these chickens raised on pastures. It just means that the eggs have been heated, but that's the deception in our food system is that they put a picture of a pasture with the word pasteurized. Um, so it's really important to, to pick good animal product and, and meat choices, right? Yeah, exactly. A hundred percent. And I believe it's our ethical responsibility as well. And animals are important for the nitrogen system. So they're, they're important for the circle of life, right? We can't eliminate them. Now it's a complete choice whether a person wants to reintroduce meat or not. I'll tell you that I do eat eggs and I do eat fish and every now and then I do have grass fed beef. And so as we start to reintroduce our animal products, we then need to become informed, right? And that's sort of what you're talking about. We need to understand what all of these labels mean. What does it mean to be pasteurized and pasteurized, right? And what does it mean to be free range, right? Because free range does not mean that the chicken is out all day. Free range could mean that the chicken is out for 40 minutes every day, right? And so we just need to understand what some of this terminology means. Because as, as those animals eat those grains, right? Corn and uh, like they get, they get the same acidosis in their body. Cows have four stomachs. They're evolved to eat grass. They're not evolved to eat grains. And if you see the grass go to seed head, cows don't eat them because they don't like that, uh, but they'll eat the grasses. And so if they're eating something that's not natural to them, they get sick. When we eat them, we get sick. If they're stressed out, guess what? Those stress hormones stay in their body. We get them in our body. Um, and so even if you're eating really high quality meat, you probably don't need as much as our culture eats anyway, right? It should be maybe, oh, sm- yeah. maybe smaller portions of it, but um, awesome. So Sherry, how can we get people into this 21 day challenge? If they want to join, they're like, I'm sold, I'm in. Uh, what's the best way for them to be a part of that? So there are some people still signing up this week. If you want to jump in late, you're still, you're still welcome to. And I have a link created for you uh, specifically for Nick. So www.sherryshaban.com slash spone trained if you want to jump in on that challenge. And it will be available later for you. Right now, we are guiding you through the challenge with the help of Nick, myself, and Chef Katie May. However, all of this information will be available to you inside this course, which you can purchase at a later time and do on your own. This protocol is something that I would recommend to repeat maybe 
every few months or so so maybe quarterly every or every time you're feeling like something is off in the body would be a good chance to repeat this protocol and then get that balance again in the gut so it's something that you can definitely do several times per year bring the family along and really take control over your health and, and like i said earlier i i always get a few days into these things and i'm like why do i ever eat something that's not good for like why do i ever do that? i feel so much better my life is so much better when i'm when i'm eating this way and um being a part of this group has been uh absolutely amazing and i'm excited to con continue on with this gut reset so sherry it's been a pleasure having you on i'm you know the fact that you understand the mindset piece more than most people that are in this business right it's that's so important and it's all the same things that i teach and and your knowledge has been awesome that i'm so glad to have you on and, and share with my audience thank you nick such a privilege to run this challenge with you and to be on the show today so you have a podcast of your own right i do fall in love with fitness fall in love with fitness awesome okay so check sherry out i think i was a guest on there yeah last march or something like that so that's available and um we talked about the self-image on that one if i remember it was a good one it was a good one <laughs> awesome so we'll see you guys on the next episode Thanks for listening to this episode of Fall in Love with Fitness. Whether you're already on your fitness journey or just getting started, we're in this together. Just head on over to iTunes, subscribe, and leave a review, and you'll be entered into the drawing to win my six-week transformation course. Then go to fallinlovewithfitness.com and get your free gift from me so you get back your energy and reinvigorate your life. Join me on the next episode, and remember... You are an inspiration.